This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, help me welcome my favorite pop culture oracle, Eric Anderson, Editor-in-Chief of Awards Watch. Happy New Year, Eric. Happy New Year to you too, Christina. How are you? I'm doing okay. It seemed like the vacation was the same as always. (laughs) It's like we've been home (laughs) working from home and I was home working from home for Christmas too. How about you? Uh, You know, pretty much the same. It's, it, there wasn't a whole lot of difference and and I don't know what you know a weekend is or a, a day off is is like if if there's a critics announcement or anything on a Sunday night or Saturday morning there there I am you are always on that's for sure and despite some trepidation looking forward to 2021 I'm pretty positive and January 20th is around the corner and you know hopefully things will look up right I, I hope so. I mean, obviously, what's happening in the United States with the Republican senators that are going to try and do whatever they're going to try and do on January 6th. Good luck to them. But that's not that's I'm not I'm not worried. You know, maybe that's maybe I'm jinxing it. By it's you know, I, I almost feel like that because every time that we ever said, you know, oh, that could never happen, you know, things happen. So We'll see. Well, so this is our first look forward together at 2021, and I'm sure it'll be the first of many. Um, We're going to get into it. But among other things, we're going to be reporting from Sundance and doing some shows together during those weeks. What do you expect from this year's very unusual festival? Well, it's, it's a little bit like I expected it to be. There aren't any huge titles, you know, that were held from 2020. And I think some people thought that that's what was going to happen. Like that Searchlight and, you know, uh, these other studios were going to somehow flood the the Sundance Fest with all of these, these big titles. And that never, that was never something that rang true for me because this is going to be not the first festival in the COVID era, but it's certainly the most careful because we did have really great big titles with the fall festivals. We had you we know, Nomadland and French Exit and uh, uh, Minari and The Father and, and all of these you know big Oscar players. And I think some people thought too that because of the moved off date for Oscar eligibility, that you'd see you know something debut at the end of January at Sundance and then pop in to Oscar eligibility in in a couple of weeks. And that's definitely not the case, except for, I think, Land, the Robin Wright movie, is one of the few things that's going to do that. But it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting festival. I really like the idea of the little pop-up things that they're going to do around the country with drive-ins. I think that's really smart. Uh, But what, what I think this is going to do is highlight some movies that normally wouldn't get a lot of attention because of the high profile things. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be interesting sort of media wise too, to see how they do it. 
everyone zooming in and watching and how the interview is going to go. I'm, I'm interested in seeing it, how they're going to get this done. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how the whole ticket buying is going to work out on the 7th, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll see. Hopefully that'll go well. I hope so. So, of course, this is many of our first shows covering 2021, but I thought it'd be fun to look at some specific titles and themes that we're looking forward to. So we'll look forward to some of the movies that we're really curious about, or we think maybe train wrecks, some of the TV shows uh, we're looking forward to in an Oscar update. But first, let's talk about the industry. Before Christmas, we heard the news that kind of rocked the industry. Warner announced that all of their 17 huge titles, including Dune, Matrix 4, they were going to be releasing on the same day and date, HBO Max and theaters, the theaters that are open, of course, for the entire 2021. This, of course, started a huge discourse. Is it the death of cinema? And all this depends on how this goes. But on Christmas Day, we sort of saw the first of this. Wonder Woman 84 was released like this. And another studio, Disney Pixar, released Soul only on Disney Plus and not in, 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 not in theaters. How would you say a couple days after this that it's turned out? What, what's the rumbling? Well, I think the thing that we can look at is the Wonder Woman box office. And it's hard to make really fair expectations for it but it's doing okay i think it just hit like 118 million which in in this era is pretty huge tenet tried to to kind of test those waters and it did okay it did well um internationally but not very well here so i i, I think everything is just just kind of dipping dipping the toe in we haven't really seen enough to make a, f a fair judgment. And, and I think what Warner Brothers is looking to more so than this box office is the, the chance to increase its membership and to, you know, rise above or near uh, Netflix and Disney right. Plus with, you know, content that only they're going to have. And they, felt pretty positive about uh, the numbers that they got. But that's also kind of like when, you know, Netflix releases 52 million, you know, households watch this first two minutes of this show. <laughs> and it, <laughs> it's, it's harder because the, the gauge of box office is always such an easier one because the, the numbers are just the numbers. Right. And, and I guess they were easier to trust the reporting. And that isn't really the case with what we're seeing right now. They're, the transparency of viewership is not quite the same for streamers. And I think that's what people want to see. But if this wouldn't go well, however we would judge it going well or not, but these uh, 17 movies that, that during 2021 it will be somewhat of a disaster for them considering um, the vitriol and the anger from studios, from actors, from agents, from everyone, right? Yeah, and they did backtrack a little bit uh, that something like Dune will be reconsidered uh, for theatrical release 
differently than than its HBO Max release. And and I think they, not that they learned a lesson, but they certainly they're certainly paying a bit of attention to the backlash and to how things were rolled out and to how things were explained to people because one of the one of the big issues at least i think as a you know performer or or actor or anybody that's in any of these films is that if part of your compensation is you know points and and percentage of box office and things like that like you know, Tom, somebody like Tom Cruise always is. If you're taking that away from them without telling them, it, it's, it almost feels like a breach of contract to me. That was very weird, the story that they haven't told anyone about this before they rolled out this plan. Well, except for Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot. They knew. and everyone They knew, knew and they were compensated for it. But nobody else was. So it was, it was just a really... It was just a, a poor way to do it. I'm not against the the concept of what they're doing with with putting things on HBO Max and trying to be cautious and careful about what the state of theaters are going to be in 2021 at, at all. Mm-hmm. But you know there is a, a a way to do things, and and it just wasn't it wasn't the way to do it. And of course, we've said many times here on the show that this has been a long time coming, way before Corona, the you know streaming factor and, and, and difficulty for theaters. You're not an epidemiologist in any way, but as a movie you know expert, when what do you see today happening to theaters? And- Honestly, I can't see a return to normal theater attendance anytime before like Q3 or Q4. Mm-hmm. I, I really can't. I don't think we're going to have a summer again. I don't think the the rollout of the vaccine, at least in the United States, has been really lousy. Huge shock there. <laughs> um, it's pretty lousy and, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, really. And there's always that that weird thing where where people feel like <laughs> that, that things are better before they're better. So they don't, they don't wait long enough mm-hmm. until they are. And I think, you know, whether it's the efficacy of the vaccine or the time that it takes to, to really take effect, people are getting it and going out and doing things like, like everything is normal. And it might be normal for you, but it isn't for everybody else. And it just, just creates the wrong impression. And things aren't normal. But will theater survive the wait to Q4? I don't know how they can without government assistance because they were already stretched out. Uh, and studios specifically, too. Ooh, it's kind of scary. But we'll see what happens. And there are some movies to look forward to, I have to say. That's what I wanted to talk about now. Some of the ones that um, both you and I are looking forward to. And I know you said before we went on air that you have like 80 movies <laughs> and I tried to narrow it down. Um, tell oh, me a few of your big highlights. Shoot. <laughs> there's, there, there's a lot, you know, it's, I, I want to see, uh, you know, big stuff like Dune, but I also want to, I can't wait to see, you know, Last Night in Soho. Last Night in Soho is uh, Edward Wright with Thomas and McKenzie. But there's a lot of other things. I, I'm looking forward to the Sopranos prequel, Many Saints of Newark. That's on my list. Oh my God. We just began a rewatch of it with 
the the kid who's seeing it for the first time. So that's going to be kind of fun to time it with that. Yeah, that's the Sopranos of the prequel starring yeah. James Gandolfini's son. Um, yep. And it depicts the 67 riots and the tension between the Italian and black communities. I, I'm That's like top of my list. <laughs> I, I, I think it's got the potential to be pretty fascinating. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. I, it's a lot of stuff. I want to see, you know, the Lady Gaga Gucci movie. I want to see Nightmare Alley. I want Eyes of Tammy Faye. I want all of these things. <laughs> it's a good year. And um, I'm already sick of Tom Cruise Mission Impossible because it feels like with just all the internet stuff, we've seen every single clip in every country and every motorcycle jump over Venice bridges. But I am looking forward to Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I mean, I kind of am too. I love my 80s nostalgia. But I mean, yeah, it's not like super high on my list. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to that. Top Gun was a big thing for me. <laughs> as well as Wes Anderson's. That's a love letter to journalists, he calls it, starring Timothy Chalamet and Tilda Swinton. That's, that's going to be a big one for me as well. Yeah, it does look, it looks fine. And another one I wanted to ask you about is Paul Thomas Anderson's movie that we've seen a bunch of shots of them filming in the streets of LA. Do you know anything more about that? I mean, uh, you know, that's, yeah, going by the, the, the name Soggy Bottom is, is it's a working title right now. And, and, <laughs> and that is absolutely super high on my list. And you just oh. mentioned James Gandolfini's son in The Many Saints of Newark. And, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son is in the new Paul Thomas Anderson and is the lead. And, and we're seeing this second generation come oh alive now. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. Really excited. And do we know anything about if it's done? Did they get the filming done before COVID? Is there, are there any more specifics on that? I haven't looked, so I don't know if the, if the principal photography is done yet. But I also haven't seen any new like photo updates so it it might it might be uh, or it's just you know the the christmas vacation we just going back to what we were talking about before we you know we talked a bit about hbo max but the other studios that have been pushing things forward and forward for example the bond movie do you think that'll be able to stay in april will they dare to release it no big time no you don't think so? i don't think so and mgm doesn't even have a uh, like a, a proper streaming platform and they are also one of the studios that is potentially looking to get bought because they don't have the the funds so i i don't see any scenario in which it opens in april and what what does that mean that they're looking to be bought bought by potentially someone who would put them on a streamer yeah probably i mean i it, it, it would have to be somebody that has the capability to have both formats uh, readily available. So there's only a few that really have that, and that's you know, Hulu, Apple, Netflix, Disney, and HBO. Yeah, what you're saying is that everyone will do theaters and streamers at the same time. I think they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to do what Warner is doing and, and did with Wonder Woman and give it an international release a week or two before the US release. And that's only as long as, you know, international COVID numbers are trending better than they are in the US. 
And a studio like Paramount, who doesn't have a platform attached, they're actually just selling their movies. For example, Sorkin's Chicago 7, that was sold to Netflix, right? Yep. And then the United States versus Billie Holiday, which is going to Hulu. So I, I don't, I will be surprised if Paramount still exists by the end of this year. Oh, no. How much are people actually producing in terms of, I mean, we have all these good movies that you and I just mentioned now that at least in Mm -hmm. post-production, they're done, so to speak. I mean, how many movies are being made? Well, that's... What's 2022 going to be? I know, that's what's been kind of interesting is that, you know, we have have relied on television a lot uh, this year to make up for the lack of, of films because there was enough already produced TV. And that's going to be right. impacted as well. We're, we're going to hit a point where there isn't a lot of brand new material, period. And I don't know, that might not be the worst thing in the world because <laughs> <laughs> we already have too much television and too much anyway. So maybe, you know, let us, let us settle down and focus on fewer things instead of trying to watch 500 TV shows. <laughs> well, from what I've understood is that the filming is quite limited in, in the LA area, yes. but shows in Toronto that film in Toronto and other places are, are, except for shutdowns occasionally due to COVID outbreaks, they're still going. Yes. And, and Georgia too, which is a huge, huge uh, state for film and television. And it's kind of the weird irony and it is also a bit hypocritical that that studios and networks are actively fleeing to states and regions that have much looser COVID restrictions because they have Republican leadership that doesn't care. So I'm very mixed about how I feel about that. But do you think there will be less big movies of the of the caliber that we were just talking about yes. in the coming year or two. Yes. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the things that we think are coming out in 2021 will be 2022. So that's a good thing for the listeners to understand, even though several of these movies we talked about may not premiere this coming year and we'll try to keep you updated. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we don't know either, but let's talk about a few things on TV that you're looking forward to. I just have to mention, in just a few days, the new Nicolas Cage, The History of Swear Words show coming on Netflix. That looks amazing. Now, have you seen that? Yeah, I watched, I, I, <laughs> I binged the whole thing in, in one, you know, evening, because it's just like six 30-minute episodes. It's fantastic. Oh, yay! Because <laughs> that's, that's like on top of my list. It is great. It's, it fills the gap of drunk history in, in the best way. It is a riot. And, it, and it's basically that what it is. It's a history of swear words. And he takes us through them or what? So he's, he's a host and, and he's very, very funny as, as the host. But it's a mix of comedians talking about swear words as well as uh, uh, etymologists and, and professors. And so you have this really great balance of historical context and humor and how things have uh, changed and evolved from you know the beginning of, of what any 
swear word would be to what it's used for now. And it's just a lot of fun. I, I could have watched 20 episodes. And what's he like as a host? He is very Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has, he's mostly like super reserved, which is very, very funny for him. And then he has these boiling outbursts and it's just really funny. It's, it's great. And he pokes fun at himself a lot too. And what else? Oh my gosh, uh, a lot. And when, when you sent over the, the agenda, I wanted to look at things that, not, not really returning shows. I mean, yes, I can't wait to see Succession, uh, but I wanted to look at things that were going to be new uh, that'll be ready because like we just talked about, there's a lot of produced television that will be ready to go for 2021. Uh, so we have a lot to look forward to. I mean, number one, without any doubt, is the Underground Railroad, uh, which is Barry Jenkins at Amazon. So that's that should be right at the end of May. And I, 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 there's nothing more that I'm, I'm looking forward to than that. I, I am. It's an incredible book. Obviously, he's an amazing filmmaker. And the bits and pieces that have been seen up to this point are just prove that. You look great, yeah. And another one that I'm very curious about is Bel Air, which is the a dramatic take on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, where you know the original producers and Will Smith is coming back. I, I don't know much more about it, but that seems also very interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about it to know what it is that that it's going to end up being like. So I'm curious. And there's so, there's very little, you know, information on it. So it's, yeah, I'm curious. I'm looking forward to the television series version of A League of Their Own. I think that could be a lot of fun. Yes. Darcy Carden is in that. I'm, I'm really excited. Abby Jacobson. Uh, it's a really, really neat cast. So that's on my list. And Kate McKinnon as the disgraced Theranos founder, Elizabeth Holmes, coming on Hulu. I think it's called The Dropout. That I'm looking forward to. It's going to be really interesting. Supposedly, we'll see Kate McKinnon in a few things if that mm -hmm. Tiger King movie is stalled or coming out. I don't know nothing about it, but it'll be interesting to see her on the other side, more on the other side of SNL. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what the the tone of of the dropout is going to be because I think it's going to be difficult for people to, and it often is difficult for people to take SNL cast members and put them into a straightforward drama. It's less, you know, their ability and it's more viewer perception and understanding of them. But then sometimes it ends up being, you know, some of the best that there is that had to, it happened with Adam Sandler you put him in Punch Drunk Love or Uncut Gems and you find the part of him that you were never right. given before. We also have an Oscar winner coming to TV, which they do a lot nowadays. And that's Julianne Moore, who's going to be in Stephen King's adaptation of his book, uh, Lizzie's Story, which he actually, I believe, is writing himself this time. So I'm looking forward to that because I haven't been a big fan of the Stephen King adaptations the past few years. I hope so. I mean, I'm anything Julian Moore, I'm I'm down for. That's yes, that's just <laughs> a, a fact. So, but I I have kind of liked the Castle Rock things. 
I think they've been kind of mm-hmm. cool, but I'm not that familiar with this Stephen King work. So I'll have to, I'll have to do a little bit of, of homework on it, but it's got a really cool cast, Joan Allen and Jennifer Jason Lee and Clive Owen, Sun Kang. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool list. An exec produced by J.J. Abrams, and um, I think it has potential. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, we've got The Gilded Age with Christine Baranski and Cynthia Nixon. I mean, that is like gay heaven. So I... Yes, and another, I mean, anything Baranski, I'm there. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to the new Gossip Girl. I think that'll be fun. And another Nicole Kidman limited series with nine perfect strangers i'm actually so okay and happy to just watch kidman do tv shows for like forever and this is also this cast is insane it's so great it's been a lot of big tv for her the past seasons now yes and she's she's also you know made it a big focus of this part of her career to work with female filmmakers and and creators so the projects that she's picking are you know written written produced directed by women so it's and she has the lulu wong uh coming up after nine perfect strangers so she's really like supercharged and it's great i love it and another I'm really curious about is Taika Waititi has like a new dark comedy coming out about a group of Native American teenagers mm-hmm. in Oklahoma, um, which is called uh, Reservation Dogs, sort of Quentin Tarantino yeah. reference, which I'm, <laughs> I think could be, I love his comedies, so I'm all there for that. I don't know when it's coming out. I know it's FX, but I don't know more than that. But I hope it's soon. I'm a fan of 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 his, so yeah, I'm I'm 100 there. The the Wong Kar Wai. What do you know awesome. about that one? Not really much. <laughs> we know that it's him, and we're good with that. Yeah, it's yeah. I I don't care. It's Wong Kar Wai. That's all I care about. So I I don't even need to know anything about it. <laughs> I, you know, even American Crime Story impeachment, you know, that should be pulpy and, and pretty good. Yeah, about the Bill Clinton impeachment, right? Monica Lewinsky and everything. Yeah, and the previous American Crime Stories have been really, really good in comparison to, you know, the American Horror Stories, which kind of started out good and just became like too many. Well, that's a good list there, Eric. We are, um, I think we have both films and movies to look forward to, and that was just sort of scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to more stuff coming. I wanted to end up, as we most often do, with the award season. And um, it's a very weird, if we would be talking in January last year, we would be literally weeks or month or so away from the Oscars. And, and now it's not until, what is it, April 26th? Yeah, 25th. 25th so it's a it's an odd we're sort of in the middle of things but um any news there any big things that have happened during the holidays no uh you know the the oscars are holding to that date and eligibility there is no real update about what the show is going to be like if it's a hybrid or exactly how they're going to do it but yeah it's weird you know i was interacting with somebody on on Twitter last night and they're just like, I don't understand these predictions, you know, for movies that haven't even come out yet. And I mean, my response was this, 
not only is this kind of how it is every single year, uh, yeah. but you know we're looking at it with a two-month extended window. So really, it's not really January, first week of January. It's the first week of November right now. When mostly critics and festivals have seen the movies, like Nomadland, for example, is a film that we saw here at the festivals, yeah. but really hasn't come out to the general public yet. But it's a movie that's so incredible that pretty sure it's going to be up there. Yeah, and pretty specifically, people were talking about like Judas and the Black Messiah and the United States versus uh, Billy Holiday and Malcolm and Marie, which are all February releases that have not been seen by the general public in, in any way, but by a few people at outlets and predictors and, and stuff like that. So they're showing up on like 10 best lists and, and Oscar prediction lists. And people are like, I don't understand this, <laughs> but it's always this way. Yeah. Th but this would have been December. Yeah. It's, it's no different. It's this way every year. So. Well, we'll have to see. I, I still, I keep saying, well, I saw, I've seen a few bad movies like Midnight Sky, which I didn't like. Did you like Midnight Sky? I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. Well, fine. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen two movies this year or for 2020 that I absolutely despised and hated, so. And those were? <laughs> um... You can't tease like that. Well, I I really hated Wonder Woman. Mm. Um, oh, geez. Okay, I guess I can say it because they just had a screening. Uh, Cherry, I hated. Oh, really? I, I've I, only seen the posters, the weird yeah. posters that turned out wrong to me. What, tell us about that. I just think it is a big, giant, bloated, desperate mess. It's it It wants to be like 10 different type of like hardcore film bro type of movies like Fight Club and Jarhead and uh, Natural Born Killers. And it's, it's, it's this. Who's the director? It's the Russo brothers from Marvel. And Tom Holland, bless his heart, just he's, he's game and he tries, but he's, that's also, you know, one of those examples of when somebody whose film or television uh, legacy is, is pretty goody two shoes you know, and, and they want to break out and do, do something. Yeah. Something hard. Aggressive and hard. And it's just, I, I hated it so much. Oh no. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> figuring that won't be moving into the Oscars race anytime soon. Well, I know Apple is going to push it really, really hard. They, they want it to be, and the Russos want it to be as well. They've been, is it a war movie? I don't even know. There is, there is a segment of it that is, that takes place in, in war. Yes. It's, it's multi, it's multi segments. So like those, the posters that you've seen that are like lover, thief, soldier, each of those are chapters essentially in the film uh, that, that are about sections of, of his life. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I won't, I won't be running to my, I was going to say to the theater, but to my TV. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> to, to you, you won't have to. It'll be, it'll be on <laughs> no, Apple TV in March. So. But anyway, there's a lot of still good things to look forward to, even Absolutely. though um, we don't know anything about anything at the moment. Eric, <laughs> I will get back to you <laughs> and we'll keep talking and um, maybe we'll get one in before Sundance. Um, if not, we'll, we'll talk then. And this is, as always, so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. It's always fun. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast, 
Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast.